truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. We are live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number to The Steve Dace Show. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We may, gentlemen, be out of Facebook jail. I have several people now over the weekend that have been sending me notes that they're getting prompted about new content we're posting and uh, like and follow our page. And I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't yeah. know about you. I mean, the, in the end, the numbers will determine the, you know, what will we, will they claim we've grown by more than 12 people in a year? I mean, yeah. I, I, ultimately, that will determine whether this is legit or not. But at the very least, they're putting a good face on their shadow ban now. Yeah, it, it, it seems like it's helping if people, when they go and like our page, even if you have already liked our page, if you go and follow our page as well. That's an extra step that, uh, that Facebook is making you do now. Indeed. And, and I noticed, maybe it's a coincidence, but this seems to have happened after it claimed last week I had unfollowed my own page. So maybe that maybe they realize you know what we gotta we gotta do this guy a solid here that's pushing it a little too far let's just get outright ban him right uh, we've got a jam packed show here for you today next hour we're gonna reset a topic that has been a reoccurring theme on our program because we think it is really the driving force in American culture today and therefore it can't be reset enough. Whenever it reappears, uh, we're going to continue our book study here at the bottom of the hour of Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Ought to Be, looking back a quarter of a century later. You know, last week, guys, we kind of had a proto version of the debate over socialism and uh, universal basic income as, as you know, Rush defended the 80s against uh, leftist attacks because that was the first successful economic decade following uh, the ratification of the Great Society. And in many respects, it, it, its success was a repudiation of that era. And, and so they, of course, have to take it down. This week, there's another proto-debate, I think, as Rush talks about uh, the AIDS controversy of that era and the politicization of AIDS uh, as a disease uh, and as a cover, essentially, for what we now know as the rainbow jihad. And I think you are, we're going to discuss a proto version of a lot of those rainbow jihad conversations, those you will be made to care conversations, as Rush tells us about, he, ha- he was made to care for daring to write a charitable contribution, right? Um, uh, but, but doing so, his, the crime, contributing to the right charity while wearing the wrong political jersey. Uh, is any of that going around nowadays that you guys can think of? No, not really. Yeah, I'm, I'm not come to think of it. I'm, I'm just totally, you know, uh, I'm I'm stuck as well. I can't really think of, you know, only twenty seven thousand three hundred and fourteen examples right off the top of my head. But uh, maybe some will come to me uh, as the show goes on. I I am a, a year older now, but we begin as we always do with Aaron's reminder of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Adventures in Trump's Twitter account. That all started with this tweet. Representative Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully shouting and screaming at the great men and women of Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. His district is considered the worst in the USA. As proven last week during a congressional tour, the border is clean, efficient, and well-run, just very crowded. Cummings' district is a disgusting rat and rodent infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. Those tweets kicked off an avalanche of not-so-fun facts about Baltimore from the president's Twitter account over the ensuing weekend days, all of which were targeted at Representative Elijah Cummings, who represents a major chunk of Baltimore. Of course, pointing out that Baltimore has been run by Democrats for decades and is indeed akin to a third-world country is racist. Well, the president is, as he usually is, or often is, disgusting and racist. Uh, he makes these charges with no base at all. When you talk about a city like Baltimore, systematic and institutional racism plays a very deep part in how we got to this point. Donald Trump, once again, uh, is a racist who makes ever more outrageous, racist remarks. He continues to say things about uh, American cities all across this country. I mean, look, our president has a hate agenda. He doesn't have a policy agenda, and that's what he falls down on. Kimberly Klasik, an activist from Baltimore, asked some residents what they thought about President Trump's tweets targeting Elijah Cummings. And what he said was definitely true. He hasn't done anything for us. For the last, I think he's been in office over 20 years. 30. 30? Okay, so I was like 18 back then, and he hasn't done anything for us. And, of course, this old video of Bernie Sanders surfaced over the weekend as well. But anyone who took the walk that we took, we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you were in a third-world country. But today what we're talking about is a community in which half of the people don't have jobs. We're talking about a community in which there are hundreds of buildings that are uninhabitable. We're talking about a community where kids are unable to go to schools that are decent. Moving on, a bombshell dropped on Friday afternoon regarding embattled Minnesota Congresswoman Elon Omar. You're probably aware Omar has been battling allegations that she married her brother in order to skirt immigration laws to get into the United States. Now, and according to the UK Daily Mail, Omar is divorcing her original husband for the second time. And now, learning Spanish today. Today's phrase is, Mama says marriage is as marriage does. Mama dice el matrimonio es como el matrimonio. Jake Tapper interviewed Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and pressed her on whether or not Israel has the right to exist. There have been criticisms of you from even your fellow Democrats, especially for your support for the BDS movement, which stands for Boycott, Divest, Sanction. Uh, it's an anti-Israel movement. Um, well, uh, it's, it's, it's anti, it's, it's, it's criticizing the racist policies of Israel. Do you think the Jewish people have the right to a state in the area where Israel exists now? Look, I, I truly believe the state of Israel is ex it exists, correct? But understand, does it exist in the detriment of inequality for the Palestinian people? detriment of not really moving forward in a peaceful resolution. We're never going to have 
peace, I truly believe, if separate but equal, is the way they want to go. And I can tell you, I learned that from my African-American teachers in Detroit Public Schools who showed me what the pain of oppression looks like. We're not going to have peace if we don't understand that we are dehumanizing Palestinians every single day when we choose Israel over their rights. But yes and, or no, does Israel have a right to exist? Oh, of course. Okay. But just like Palestinians have a right to exist. The inexorable Supreme Court decided in its infinite wisdom on Friday that Trump can divert $2.5 billion in Pentagon funds for the construction of more sections of a border wall. According to an ABC News poll, last week's hearing for former special counsel Robert Mueller made 27% of respondents more likely to support impeachment of President Trump, 26% less likely, and 47% said it made no difference. Kamala Harris says, Yesterday I announced that, as president, I'll establish a student loan debt forgiveness program for Pell Grant recipients who start a business that operates for three years in disadvantaged communities. That's awfully specific. Footage emerged late last week of the Canadian Wax My Balls dude after being asked to comment on a multitude of stories about him. That's his mom, by the way. Yeah, go, out. Don't touch me. go out now! Hey, 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 go yeah, out! Touch, you go out! Out! Out, out you go! Pull yeah, the she just pulled the fire out. I did. I am on the phone. Get, get, in get, in wow. get in here. Get in here. Get in. In. Get in. 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 <laughs> yeah. So progressive. Yeah, so aggressive, hey? Progressive. Nicely done. Congressman Thomas Massey offered an amendment to change the name of a massive spending bill making its way through Congress. Mr. Speaker, I have an amendment at the desk to change the title of the bill to a bill to kick the can down the road and for other purposes. The clerk, the clerk, clerk will report the amendment. Amendment offered by Mr. Massey of Kentucky. Amendment, amend the title so as to read, a bill to kick the can down the road and for other purposes. And finally, as NFL training camps get underway, NFL players are interacting with a multitude of fans in person, including this priceless exchange between a young Philadelphia Eagles fan meeting his hero, Carson Wentz. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage today brought to you by Home Title Lock. If you have a home, and, and some of you have been like, come on, are you, are you blowing this out of proportion? We'll tell that to the uh, former FBI head of cybercrimes. Yeah, the guy that ran that unit was on 60 Minutes a couple of months ago, warning the country that this is the latest crime wave sweeping the nation. And the reason why is, is, is really twofold. Number one, uh, the your own home is the number one most valuable investment the vast majority of Americans will ever own, number one. And then number two, it's more vulnerable than ever before because a lot of our mortgage notes, a lot of our home titles are kept online in databases where they can be accessed, not just by us, but also by hackers who hack into those databases as well. So if this were to happen to you, what, here's what occurs. Uh, they forge their name out of your paperwork and then they borrow against your home's equity using the home as collateral, sticking you with late payments, maybe even foreclosure notices. Protect yourself. Your bank can't do it. Your mortgage lender can't. Neither can your identity theft protection. But for Penny today, our friends at Home Title Lock will. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title, and you can find out right now for free if your home's title has already been targeted or tampered with when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. 
So let's get to Aaron's uh, montage. Uh, montage. What did I say? Montez. Montez. Nice. Montage. Speaking in tongues now. Excellent. Yes. I'm a year older, so I'm, I've, already, I'm, I've lost. I just turned 46. I've, I've lost my fastball. Profit status I'm one unlocked. Day, I'm one day in, and it's gone. Oh, happy birthday! Thank you. Uh, Thomas Massey, Mui Bien. Very well done. Um, to make them vote on that, only in case you were wondering, 47 members of Congress voted to tell you the truth about what that uh, what that budget scam is that that they're trying to shove down everybody's throats. Only 47 members. That plan by Kamala Harris, if if I if I told you that was like an idea, Jack Kemp had with his enterprise and opportunity zones 20 years ago. And I didn't change the wording on it at all. And I just said, hey, this was an idea that Jack Kemp had back in the day. Would you, buy, would you believe that? Doesn't it sound very Jack Kempian? I'd call you a racist. Well. Be- because you're taking it away from the black woman. Th- that's true. I mean, Kemp was uh, pre-culturally a- a- appropriating her own idea. Exactly. Yeah, 20 years before it. she had it. But, but that not aside, in all seriousness, that's a very Jack campion idea right yeah i mean that that the idea that if 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 you take the expertise that we funded as taxpayers and you put it back into communities that are are depreciating in value the most and are in most of need of your intellectual uh, capital then we'll give you an incentive the added incentive of forgiving debt for doing that this is kind because of- you're helping us pay off a debt in the government with with you know Put, reinvesting in such impoverished areas. That's a very Kempian idea. It's kind of like uh, former Wisconsin governor and presidential candidate Tommy Thompson on welfare before Bill Clinton sure. on welfare. Sure, That's yeah. a great analogy, actually. And, and and of course, I saw that leftists were attacking her for this. Of course. Pro- proving my point. Proving my point that it is a very Kempian idea. Uh, and they were attacking her because anything other than I should just not have to repay this loan regardless of whatever the hell I do with my time and money. Anything else is is racist, of course. This embodies what I bring up Marvin Olansky's, the, his book, The Tragedy of American Compassion. Mm-hmm. The fact that she got pushback on this is it tells this story. I mean, any time you ask, there was a quid pro quo that is actually scripturally based on how we redeem one another. Nope. Full stop. And so you get even, even when she can be uh, kneecapped for this idea. This is why Baltimore exists. So the Supreme Court ruling that um, indeed uh, the the president of the United States, as we have recognized constitutionally now since day one of this thing called the U.S. of A., is the chief executing officer of the country uh, and, and is in full control of the executive branch, which means... Uh, some lower courts given the, the the trajectory we have been on there will be some lower courts that will just just like they did the last time they said yes the a president has you know presidents that get elected that you don't like still have the power of the presidency guys that this isn't how it works but you know he won the last time and then you saw lower courts just simply said well we're just not even going to abide by a supreme court precedent that we don't like now and i fully expect that you will see that happen again and then at some point, the president of the United States has to stop winning lawsuits that tell him that he is the chief executive officer of this country and then start behaving as if he is the chief executive officer of this country. 
I mean, he's already won one of these lawsuits at the Supreme Court and now is allowing one of these scam universal injunctions to undo the win that he had and not acting on it. Why, why is there not shovel hitting dirt on the border now? Why not now? That was your exact same question like six months ago, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're just going to sit around and wait for some other rogue lower court to just counterman the U.S. Supreme Court, which they've already done. In fact, didn't Daniel Horowitz tell us last week there's like three or four current injunctions and lawsuits of seeking injunctions in lower federal courts to just ignore the previous Supreme Court victory that he had on this on a similar front. So it's time to stop. Um, it, it's time to stop getting permission from the Supreme Court to be president. And it's time now to actually be the president. It's time to, to act on, on, these, on these things now. Do, you, any, do either one of you expect that to occur? No. Or are we going to make more deals with Guatemala? What do you think? Indeed. So let's move on. That all notwithstanding, late, as we concluded last week, and, you know, this has been an, an ongoing reoccurring conversation on this show, and it probably will be until, you know, the first Tuesday in November next year. On any given day, you could find any of the three of us, either in unison or on an island. I'm never voting for him or any of these jokers ever again, or I'm going to vote a couple times. Still my all-time favorite clip in the history of this program, CNN you get folks act like Trump broke CNN. This this began before Trump. Election Day 2008, they've got a reporter out in the field in Philadelphia interviewing uh, a black voter and about the excitement of voting for Obama. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'm so excited. I decided to come back and vote a couple times. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't really think you can do that. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the best clip of, in the history of this program, in my opinion. But um, I, I can get in, the, the, in any given day, depending on what's happening. If you catch us, that's why you were you were prescient. It is going to be whoever's dumbest last loses. It's just you were one election ahead of, ahead of your time. That's going to be this election. Okay. So when we walked out of here, man, I was totally in. When we walked out of here on Friday, I was totally in and the horse you rode in on mode. Right. I think I made that pretty clear as we closed out last week's programming. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think crystallize that. If the election were held today, decide to come back and vote a couple times. All right. I mean, this thing over Baltimore. And the fact I, I have given up aspirational notions. You have you have convinced me of that, Erzin. You've convinced me to just stop and accept your fate. So, okay. So at this point, then, it, it's really either a, a mixture of self-defense slash entertainment. And I'm about to give up the whole self-defense notion. I mean, that, we're, I'm close to giving that up. Um, which leaves me with only one thing left. Just the sheer entertainment value of watching all of the right people getting clobbered like this is very samson-esque totally um based on your own 
selfishness, carnality, ruin your calling. But then at the end, you're like, you know what, man? I'm just going to plunge these, uh, this temple of Dagon into the dirt. Screw these, sons of you-know-what. And this is, man, I don't think there was any attempt to, there was no four-dimensional chess here. I don't think Trump just got up on a Saturday morning and decided, you know what, I'm, I hadn't been concerned enough about the plight of urban America, and I, I think we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to swerve in that direction. I think this is just all in reaction to Elijah Cummings, you know, being an impeachment pimp. It doesn't make it any less entertaining and correct though. We have spent in political media, we have spent the last 40 hours debating whether a city whose last three mayors were forced to resign because of corruption, three in a row, and a city, particularly the, the, the portion that Congressman Cummings represents, West Baltimore. West Baltimore's crime rate is 342% higher than the national average. 342% higher. Let me repeat that. Just I, I, I think that needs to kind of just settle in a little bit. The crime rate in West Baltimore is 342% higher than the national average. Does this sound like Shangri-La to you? Andrea Mitchell of MSNBC, my fifth job in the media within Baltimore. I love that city. Yeah. You also couldn't get the hell out of there fast enough. I don't see a, you know, if, if, if Baltimore is such a charmer, feel free to give up your DC brownstone there, Andrea. I heard there's plenty of available real estate. It might look like Detroit, but hey, you love the city, right? Your, your Manhattan flats. Nobody's giving up their Manhattan flats. Nobody's giving up their DC brownstones to move to Baltimore. I don't really care what his motivation was. So we, we've got this whole thing going on in our culture. And, and, and I may be projecting here a little bit, okay? Because I run into this all the time. Well, you know, it's not what you said. It's how you said it, Steve. It's how you said that, Steve. You know, I was, I was speaking at, uh, at a Christian high school a few years ago before their graduation. And I asked all the students in the senior class, how many of you believe it's not what you say, but how you say it? How many hands do you think went up in that room? A couple hundred kids. Yeah, too many. Tons. Almost every single one. Yeah. I said, let's test this theory, shall we? And I had the, I, I, the girls were sitting on one side and the boys on the other. And I went right over to the girls and only spoke to them. I turned my back on the boys. I said, ladies, let's fast forward here in about 10 years. Your husband comes home from work. It's like, oh, you're as beautiful as the day we married. And look at the kids getting their homework done. The house is spotless. Especially if you're working outside the home, you're, he's amazed that you're doing all of this. And then he, he smells what, 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 seems like his favorite dinner and he couldn't be more complimentary and then in the middle of that he says by the way that new assistant in the office her and i had this really hot nooner 
And did I mention, though, you look great in that dress? Show of hands again. Just curious. How many of you believe still it's not what you said, but how you say it? Now how many hands do you think went up after they got done laughing? None. Now, this doesn't mean unnecessary douchery. You have any, it's, it's, it's a free roll for unnecessary douchery. Okay, particularly if you're a believer. Now, Donald Trump has believed pretty much for the last 60 years that he has an, a license to douche. Okay, that, that's, that's his natural habitat. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> that's just the reality. All right, this is the first douche-tastic presidency, and there's no question about that. And Twitter's a big reason why. However, you may not like who the vehicle is saying it. You may not like why they're even saying it or what their motivations were. Does it make it any less true? For example, if you found out, if I, if I did this whole show on the importance of marriage fidelity, and then you found out I had like a harem, Walter Payton-like harem stashed, a honey in every seaport. Would it make the importance of marriage fidelity that I communicated on the show the day before you found out, would it make it any less true? I mean, what's the number one cause of divorce in America, guys? What is it? Infidelity. So my behavior, does, does my behavior make a statement true or not necessarily? No. No. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not a, you know, a, a piece of pond scum, okay? But it still doesn't make it any, in fact, when my marriage blows up and my career goes in the tank, I will have actually confirmed for you that what I said on the previous show about the ports of marriage fidelity, I would have actually in a strange way kind of hammered that point home for you, right? Because the only reason there would be consequences for me being exposed for having a Walter Payton style of harem the only reason that there would be consequences for this is because what I told you the day before was true. It's just true. I, I know children, here's a lesson for you. You're not always going to get the truth from someone who does a perfect job of living it out. In fact, oftentimes you're not. Why? Because we're humans. It doesn't make it any less true. The reality is Baltimore is a hellhole of corruption. It's got a rat infestation they've actually done PBS documentaries about. And it's got a crime rate that's 342% higher than the national average. These problems existed long before Donald Trump left reality TV. And who was still the member of Congress presiding over this district at that time? Elijah Cummings. Elijah Cummings was. Elijah Cummings was. Now Trump's on Al Sharpton's a race hustling con man. Tomorrow he's going to tweet, the sun's hot and water's wet. Sad! So, okay. On this one I'm in. I am, I am in, if, if for no, nothing else, if we're not going to secure the border, if we're not going to alter the size and scope of government, if we're not going to push back on the courts, if we're not going to defund Planned Parenthood, 
you know, my, one of my radio mentors taught me a very important lesson earlier in my career. If at first you don't succeed, lower your expectations. So if we're not going to do any of those things, but we are going to give all of these people who long before Donald Trump came down an escalator, the public reckoning and humiliation that they so, so effervescently deserve, I'll come back and vote a couple times. Todd. So if you're advising Trump then, uh, former RNC chairman, Republican from Maryland, Michael Steele, invites Don't, Trump down there. Do you tell Trump absolutely, to go Absolutely, I would go. I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. In fact, in fact, I do rallies in, I, I do, I'd go to Nancy Pelosi's district where people are crapping yep. Yep. out in the streets Bring and the not cameras. because they're incontinent or suffer from irritable bowel syndrome uh, because of the homeless uh, problem that they, I, yes, yes. Absolutely. I go everywhere. I I cannot. It's Bernie Sanders going to Fox News. I can't lose. I can only gain. I I don't I'm not getting any votes out of there anyway. What are they? The people that hate me or they get like supercalifragilistic expialidocious hate me. I can only gain. I cannot lose. It's the last time I agreed with Michael Steele. I believe he said something about marketing to Cambodian midgets uh, when he first took over the RNC chair. And I only agree with him because I just like midgets. But in this case, I do agree with Michael Steele. Yes, I'd go to all of these places is where I'd go. We have there's nothing to lose. Nothing. They've all been under Democratic control. I mean, if, if, if you take if you take the top, I think it's I think it's Detroit. Houston, um, Philadelphia, Miami. I, I can't remember the group of cities. But there's a group of these cities that have been under Democratic control for a, a, wholeheartedly, unilaterally, for a minimum of 35 years apiece. Minimum. And they make up something like 40% of the murder rate in America. That's the first good idea Michael Steele's had in at least a decade. He's exactly right about that. That's exactly what he ought to do. We'll come back. More on this, and we'll continue our Rush Limbaugh book study here in a moment. So you're trying to lose weight, you're counting carbs, you're counting calories, whatever the the plan is that you're going through uh, to try to instill a healthier lifestyle, and you're struggling with portion control, you're struggling with cravings and things of that nature, and and you're wondering, hey, what am I missing here? Because my activity level is high, the desire is there, I just can't get over this last hump. Well, you know, there's a signal that goes from your your gut to your brain. It's got a long name, its abbreviation is OEA. And and what that signal does is it just tells the brain, hey, we're done eating down here, you're free to go, all right? And, And one of the things that can happen, take it from me, I'm somebody that, you know, has lost over 100 pounds uh, in his life after putting on like 100 and some odd pounds uh, previously. The strange thing happens when when you start getting active is in some respects, you're almost hungrier again because your metabolism is, 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 is trying to start working the way that it was previously before you got unhealthy. And that's where you want to check out a, a product that we talk about here on the show. It's called Riduzone. And, and all Riduzone does is just put that OEA back in your body so that your gut will, will send that signal to the brain. Hey, we're full. We can stop eating. Let's get back to regular business and regular order. If you want to try Riduzone, a couple of things to know. All it is is OEA. 
Uh, when you turn over the bottle, you're not going to see a bunch of chemical stimulants, caffeine and caffeine uh, related uh, uh, ingredients. It, it doesn't do any of those things. It just wants to put the OEA back in your body to help you with portion control so that then your metabolism uh, can do the things it was created to do as well. If you want to give it a shot, use my name, Steve, as a promo code and they'll give you a special offer on their website at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. Aaron, you wanted to chime in on what we were just discussing about Trump's comments about Baltimore, Sharpton. The strangest day of my whole career, I think, is I was on an MSNBC panel the day of the North Carolina marriage vote with Al Sharpton by phone. That that is like the most surreal day I've ever experienced in my career as just a kid from Iowa. And and so now we're debating the new t- today's debate that Trump kicked off is is Al Sharpton a racist link con man? Like I didn't think anybody didn't think this. I'm serious. I just assumed that leftists just like well yeah similar to like but he's our racist link con man and he's useful similar to how I mean is anybody denying that your quarterback is a drunk who slaps women around? He's got an arrest record. Well yeah. But he's my quarterback, right? I kind of just figured everybody had just made their peace with the fact he was a race hustling con man, but apparently that isn't necessarily the case, Aaron. Yeah, I think my my biggest thing over the weekend watching this unfold, kind of along the lines of what we talked about, kind of from a macro perspective about the Trump presidency and what he's accomplished. The biggest thing that I hope beyond just the entertainment value of this, and again, we're we're not condoning. We're not, we're not saying, yes, uh, we're owning the libs here. We're just giving you a weather forecast of what this is all about. The biggest thing, though, beyond a little bit deeper than, than owning the libs or um, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you want to say about this, I hope that instances like this for any, any wannabe insurgent candidate for the Republican ticket or right at what's left of America candidate for 2024, I hope they have their eyes wide open. Can you imagine a Mitt Romney? Can you imagine a John McCain? Can you imagine a fill-in-the-blank rhino who probably is going to uh, have their eyes on the Republican nomination in 2024? Can you imagine any of their consultants or them themselves saying, yes, we're going to, we're, we're going to start talking about Baltimore? The answer to that question is a resounding no, mm-hmm. because the consultant and the thumb-sucking class are afraid of being called a racist. In fact, they'd probably and, blame, they'd agree yes, it was Reagan's fault. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope that people who want to run an insurgent candidate candidacy someday or just want to, you know, um, expose expose the leftists for who they are and what their ideas accomplish, I hope they have their eyes wide open because we all agree that Trump doesn't give one flat rip about what's going on in Baltimore, but he but despite that, he is forcing leftist I- ideology and the result of it out into the open. And I hope that people have their eyes wide open and understand that they can go here and uh, yeah, they'll be called a racist. But pe- most people, most people actually doing the uh, the living and dying around here, as you like to say, Steve, they actually agree with you. So that's the only thing I had to say. Well, I think in many respects, he's the perfect vehicle because we we would we all believe this is just all a personal axe to grind. That he doesn't really care; he just cares about himself. Who does that sound like? People like Elijah Cummings, maybe? You you know where he was this weekend when children in West Baltimore were playing dodge, the uh, stray bullet, playing dodgeball with stray bullets? And they were playing that last weekend and the weekend before and the weekend before that. I think one in nine residents in West Baltimore will face some form of gun violence or gun death. One out of nine. 
one out of nine. Just walk down the street, grab nine people, every nine people and pick one. They're going to be shot, witness a shooting or murdered. Think about that. One out of nine. Where was Elijah Cummings this weekend? On some overseas foreign trip with Nancy Pelosi. Elijah Cummings doesn't care about these people either, except when they're a means to an end. What was Trump using this district? Because he's gonna, we're gonna really have a focus on urban renewal. It'd be now, now that he's kind of stepped into this to go there now. I think would be political brilliance. Yeah. Nixon going to China kind of stuff. JFK calling Martin Luther King Jr. If you want to know, people people cite you know, racial demographics in American politics. And there's, there's two things that changed, you know, if you're, if you're my age or younger, this will sound really strange to you. But it's only been since the 1960s that blacks voted majority Democrat, let alone like 95%. And there were two events that occurred because the Republicans were viewed prior to this as the political party of emancipation since Lincoln. They were the party that opposed reconstruction of the Jim Crow Democratic South. Two things changed this. The reason that, that Harry Truman pulled off such a huge upset over Thomas Dewey, we didn't have demographic polling the way we do today. Gallup was just getting started like in, the 19, in 1948. And, and frankly, there wasn't a lot of interest in polling minorities, that non-white minorities in 1948 in America. It just wasn't. So... Uh, Harry Truman got a huge influx of black voters. No one foresaw over Dewey because the assumption was Dewey was the Republican candidate. That's where the black voters go. But, but Truman desegregated, fully desegregated the military prior to the 1948 presidential election. And that gave him, I think he got 52% of the black vote, a stunning amount for a Democrat. Particularly one from Missouri that was right on the border of the Confederacy in the North at that time. And he got 52% of the black vote, and that is what carried him to his historic upset win over Thomas Dewey that nobody saw coming. The blacks would not vote majority Democrat again until 1960. And what changed is Martin Luther King Jr. went to jail in Birmingham, Alabama. Or maybe it was Montgomery for the bus boycotts. I don't remember which time. And he got a call from the Democratic nominee for president, Jack Kennedy. That was the call that changed America's political landscape. In fact, Jackie Robinson, who was considered at that point in history, the most famous living black American. Martin Luther King Jr. was just beginning his ascent into the American zeitgeist. But Jackie Robinson was considered the most famous living black American at that point in time. Man who broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. He endorsed Nixon in the 1960 presidential election over Kennedy. And so when Kennedy made the call to MLK, that's considered a moment when you began to see this mass migration. In 1964, you had the Great Society under LBJ. And since that, since that 1964 election, no Republican has received more than 10% of the black vote in any presidential election. Maybe it's 12. Actually, it's nobody's received more than 12. So, I mean, they, they have had a metaphysical certitude hold on this demographic. And, and 
in many respects, what have these folks gotten for this? I, you know, Tavis Smiley is no conservative. Ten years ago, he was doing shows when he still had his BET talk show before he got Me Too'd. He was, he was still, he was doing shows 10 years ago before Obama emerged. What have we gotten out of, you know, walking in lockstep with the Democratic Party? Not a damn thing. We haven't gotten anything, really. So where's Elijah Cummings been all these years? Tell me, explain to me why whatever Trump's motivations are, I get it. Orange man bad. I get it. I totally get it. And, you know, Aaron had the poll, the ABC News, Washington Post poll of, of the Mueller testimony. I can translate that for you. 27% orange man bat, 26% Cheeto Jesus saves, 47% govern the damn country and leave me the hell alone. Isn't that pretty much what that poll was saying? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So regardless of whatever you think of Donald Trump, was West Baltimore safer in 2015? Well, you know how we know the answer to that question was no. When was that footage from Bernie Sanders that you put in your montage? What year was that? I believe that was 2016. Yeah, during the campaign, for the primary campaign. So before Trump was president. Was West Baltimore Shangri-La, a utopian urban paradise, before Donald Trump became president? Nope. Who's been representing that district all of these years. What have they gotten out of it? Nothing. So help me understand why your personal feelings about Donald Trump let, I mean, I, I understand, I understand why Democrats are doing what they're doing. And we're going to talk more about that in the next hour or two. This is an identity politic cult. I get that. Help me understand, though, why though some of you who aren't immersed in this are, are totally willing to forgive Elijah Cummings for presiding over that hellhole from Congress, representing it in Congress all of those years. Because you don't like the way Trump said something or his motivations. I, I, that just doesn't work for me. Hey, if you can say something kinder, then do it. I think that's a common human notion. But if, if we're gonna if we're gonna bank on if you didn't tell me something the way I wanted it to be told, or you're not the person I wanted to tell me, therefore it's not true. You're a child. You're a child. I heard lots of things from Dave Dace growing up I didn't want to hear from him, that he had no business telling me. But there were plenty of things he told me that were true. I was lazy. He was right. I needed to have a better work ethic. I wasn't naturally gifted in a lot of areas in, in sports. So if I was going to make the team, I was going to have to figure out a skill, outwork everybody. He was right about that. So I was never going to jump higher, run ever faster. So I always made myself one of the best shooters. I compensated for that by time rep after rep after rep after rep, pretending to be Glenn, Glenn Rice out of my driveway. You know, I mean, he, he was in the basement smoking pot while I was out there in the driveway practicing. So he may not have necessarily been the best model to encourage my work ethic, but was he telling me the truth? Yeah. 
I, I don't know where this notion began, where the generational line of demarcation occurred, where we, we just collectively as a society gave ourselves permission to not have to hear something or believe in its veracity based on the vehicle for it or the, or the tone that was used. Do you know when that started? Because you, Aaron, you, it's probably always been that way in your generation, right? Yeah. Do you remember a time be, that wasn't the case? To be fair, I think it's been that way for like, I don't know, five, 6,000 years. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with, did God really say? Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, was this a, was, but generationally was the expectation that if you just didn't like the way somebody said something, maybe I just grew up with an old school Navy guy. I, I just, you know, I think I've told this story before too. Um, you know, I, I thought the F-bomb was a hyphenated part of my name until I got into like the fifth year of Little League. I mean, I, I don't remember a time where I was allowed to kvetch because I didn't like what you were saying to me as I was growing up because I didn't like the way you said it or I didn't like the person saying it. I don't, I don't remember when there was a time that, that the society told me I could reject the veracity of a statement off of the basis of the method in which it was communicated to me or the person who did the communicating. I mean, if Donald Trump tells you that it's 82 degrees in Des Moines, Iowa right now, does, it, does the thermos, when I go out and check the thermostat, does it change? Does it, does it dip down to 79? Because it, it, the weather realized that Trump was the one that told us what the temperature was. And it, it just, therefore, the truth changes. When did this occur? Well, Think Progress did have a piece uh, last week blaming the heat wave on Trump. But that's another, that's another subject. Well, you're, and you bring up youth sports. And I, I bring this up every once in a while in my life outside of, of what I do here. And I'm around a lot of that. And it's, it helps me take the temperature of what you're talking about, Steve. I do think there, there used to be a, sh a generalized shame about ignorance. You, you would just know when you might be mad, but you would, sh you would not go there. You would not pick a fight. You realize you were out of your depth. The, the opposite is true. Like across men, women, yes. children. You take pride in being oh, out yeah. of your, because Absolutely. I'm out of my depth, I'm now the expert. Yeah. It ha I see it all the time. The total lack of self-awareness. Yeah. And you know, you know how you can tell Democrats have lost their lack of self-awareness? Because if, see, here's the reason why, there's another reason, not just that they were politically gutless. Uh, Mitt Romney, John McCain type of Republican wouldn't have gone here. Because the, what they would have done in the past is, is they would have just shamelessly blame shifted this to well, these cities were great until Reagan cut, uh, did tax cuts for the rich in the 80s, and we've been struggling ever since, and you guys all supported that, and that's why you're racist, right? That, that was the old game plan. The old game plan to obfuscate for why they were pre presiding over remakes of Escape from New York. Um, the, the, the old game plan was blame it on Reagan, and re white Republicans were run and hide. That's why Mitt Romney, when he was running against Ted Kennedy in the 1994 Senate race, go on YouTube and find clips of Mitt Romney defending himself against Ted Kennedy by saying, I wasn't with Reagan Bush, I was against Reagan Bush. You'll find those clips, just go look them up. Because that was the game plan for like 25 years. Just blame it on the Reagan 80s, tax cuts for the rich, white America got rich, and the cities were all great before that. And, and that was the race baiting game. Why haven't they played that card here? There's a couple of reasons. One is that they're up against somebody even more shameless than they are. And, and for, the, for the people in, on their side that haven't lost their damn minds yet, they know 
if they play that if they if they play that familiar tune Donald Trump will dig up the bones of Ronald Reagan and burn them in downtown West Baltimore to make his point they know this they cannot get to the bottom of him you cannot out shameless Donald Trump there is nothing he will not throw under the bus nothing he will not betray no lie he will not tell no con he will not perform you cannot outshame him and so they're really stuck here they're up against somebody with the exact same lack of honor that they have why because most of his life these were his pals long before he decided to run for the presidential nominee nomination the GOP side, he was an, a reliable Al Sharpton donor. Did you see that tweet okay. about Sharpton? Yes. I used to hang out with him all the time. Yes. And by the way, he's a terrible racist. He they said the same thing yes. in the same tweet. They don't know what to do. They can't. He fire up, fired up Garth Brooks, shameless as a man can be. They can't. These things, they all always used to work. Because the Republicans either wanted there to be some notion of honor or use the or use the fallacy of honor as an excuse for their own lack of balls. It was that one. And it could be either one, and, and it could be individualized. I don't know which it is. In this case, they're up against somebody as 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 vain, craven, craven. You're so vain, Carly Simon. Was she singing it about James Taylor or or Donald Trump's political? <laughs> trajectory all right they don't know what to do the old game plan doesn't work because there is no sacred cow he just won't skewer in public and then there's the other factions just lost their minds in a cult and they're not even thinking clearly and we're going to talk more about them when we come back because this week's chapter of rush limbaugh introduces us to the opening salvo of what this looks like in our day and age we'll get to that here in just a moment stay tuned and we're back with hour two live and on demand but not all that much in demand around here uh this is the steve day show here on blaze radio tv and podcast i'm steve days todd and aaron are here as well if you are listening today by the way via the podcast if you would mind leaving us a five-star review thousands of you have done this for us already thank you because the more of those we receive the more likely we are to find more people like you the algorithms who will now govern our lives we were all scared of skynet in the 90s, it's the algorithms. The algorithms are in charge. Uh, the algorithms, the more of you that click like, the more algorithms like us, the more they then will help us find more people like you. And then the more likely we are to continue to do this for a living rather than having to get a real job. All right, so look at us as your personal charitable contribution or welfare state program. Leave us one of those positive reviews. Now you might be thinking, Steve, we don't like your show at all. If that's the case, I would a, ask you, A, why are you listening then? I mean, find something you like. Life is too short. You know, to go out there and I catch our buddy John Miller, uh, who's our White House correspondent at Blaze TV, who's going to be on the uh, on the overtime today. And we're going to talk about a curious trend is happening in Democratic presidential circles that all of these candidates that have failed to get traction or had traction and lost it are all trying to regain their footing by going off in the most ridiculous racial demagoguery bets. And it hasn't worked for a single one of them. Uh, Eric Swellwell, Beto O'Rourke. Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand. It hasn't worked for any of them. Why is that the case? 
All right. So we're going to talk about that today in the overtime for you Blaze TV subscribers. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you want to watch and watch all of the exclusive programming we do here at the Blaze, blazetv.com slash dace will get you uh, a discounted subscription uh, to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash dace. But I, 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 I often catch John on Twitter and sometimes I'll yank his chain over it. Hate watching CNN. I'm like, bro, life is too short, man. <laughs> you know, turn that crap off at least every now and then. I mean, if you don't like the show, don't listen. You know, it's like the greatest compliment you could possibly give me is to not like the show yep. and listen anyway. It, it, is, it is the greatest comp- compliment you can give a host like me. This is the time we say hi to like the 10 Twitter trolls. Hi, everyone. Yes. yes. Now, so if you don't like us, don't lie. Now, if you do like us, though, embellish all the more all right i mean really really dress up that positive review if you do yeah. like this review right. us a couple of times yeah. <laughs> yes that's the theme here today apparently can i clarify something i said last hour i want to make sure i make it very clear when i talk about being entertained and 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 the notion of on a given day depending on how i'm reacting or you're reacting or he's reacting or we're collectively reacting all three of us may be of one opinion or of differing opinions I'll never vote for him or these people ever in my life ever again. Or I'm there at 8 a.m. when it opens, right? And when I left here on Friday, I was totally in on the horse you rode it on place. Now I am in a come back and vote a couple times uh, place. And, and here's why. I'm not the inter, when I talk about entertainment, I, I don't think I should have to clarify this, but we have new listeners and viewers all the time, so I'm going to. I don't mean the shtick. I can't stand the shtick. If I ever watched, except the time CNN made me, held me captive in an airport, an airport in Nashville and made me watch my one and only Trump rally when he got the Chris Christie endorsement. I hate that narcissistic crap. It repulses me. If I watched more than 15 minutes of a Trump rally, I'd never vote for him. The narcissism, the shtick, I'm not, I'm not into that. I don't care about that at, on any level at all. I don't care about Trump as a brand. I don't care about any of that crap. You want that? There's, there's other shows that do that fluffer duty for you. Go tune them in, okay? I, I don't care. In fact, I, I loathe it on a visceral level. I'm talking about the entertainment narrative or, of, of, or the entertainment of watching him blow up the left's narratives. That's what I find entertaining. I don't, I don't find, uh, you know, his, you know, Saturday Night Live opening monologue act at his rallies entertaining on any level. What I find entertaining is him dropping turds of truth in their punch bowls about their own phony baloney narratives, their own scams, whatever his motivations may be. And I don't even care what they are, frankly. I don't care. All right? So um, whatever his motivations may be, watching him squeeze off, watching him squeeze off butt biscuits right in their turd bowls, right there in the punch bowls, in their faces, forcing them to drink out of it, That's, guys, I find that highly entertaining. Because long before Trump came down that escalator, they were using those scams against people like us. And when he leaves, it's going to be a lot harder for them to continue to use those against people like us. So as far as I am concerned, yes, Maximus, I am entertained. Commence o festival. More cowbell. Because I at least get some value out of that for my belief system.
the blowing up of their pagan narratives, their total horse pucking does, does provide me a, a, a residual benefit. No doubt about it. Because that's, that's half the war right there is overcoming the narrative. Now, overcoming the narrative to then do nothing with your own narrative yep. that that's i don't that's where it becomes a diminishing point of diminishing returns a loss leader but baby understand steps. baby steps yeah here. but yeah but understand under no republican since reagan left office in my lifetime have we actually pushed back on any of these narratives at See, all let alone freaking kneecapped them in broad daylight so i i you know what more I, I can't, I can't get in. That's what I can't get enough of. He could, he, in fact, if he just wanted to turn his Twitter account all this week into race hustler of the day, I'm going after Cheeto Jesus saves. I'm in. Yeah. That's the exact point just of, uh, made in a uh, more eloquent way, uh, than that I was trying to that make. That was eloquent. <laughs> well, the whole, as Christian is telling me, the whole turds of truth and butt biscuits, that really needs to become a thing. I agree with that. But no, that's that that's what I was saying last hour. Do this. Baby steps. This is the first step. And then hopefully once Trump is off the stage and he exits stage left or stage right, whichever one, hopefully stage right, um, that's what I hope. Maybe somebody who recognizes what he's doing and who's more serious about actually doing something on policy, on, on policy, yeah. Will be able to come along and actually capitalize. Now, I remain very skeptical that that will happen, but hey, like I said, this is the first step uh, in, in maybe actually going that direction. If there is anything aspirational, there's not about our politics whatsoever. We're, he's clearing brush on the rice paddy right now. He's 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 clearing out he's he's clearing out sand dunes in Afghanistan and uh, uh, and in the Middle East right now. Now, whether. A, a capable army will then be able or whether he would order even a capable army to come in and take advantage of that excavation to route the enemy. Uh, I, I'm Missouri is the state south, just directly South of here. You're going to have to show me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've seen no evidence of that in his presidency, but we didn't even get brush clearing and by, we didn't give it that as an offer, you know, of the blowing up of any of their narratives from, you know, the last several Republicans. So whatever the follow-up step may or may not be, and I'm skeptical there will ever actually be one. And I'm pretty confident that when he leaves, the Republican party will attempt to go right back to the same spider hole from whence it came and just, and pretend like you guys never lived through the previous Trump era. And we'll be just willing to accept all of the, uh, milk toast pablum. That's what they're going to do. Yep. No, I'd be willing to bet my, my yep. all my future earnings on that. Yep. Okay. Now, whether Trump will follow through on this, I, I think it's a Harvey Two-Face yeah. flip of a coin, man. There's just no way of knowing. But at the very least, at the very least, watching them choke on the toxic sludge and the acid rain and the filth-infested waters in places like West Baltimore and South Central LA and San Francisco and Philadelphia and Houston and all these other cities that Detroit my old home state of Michigan that they ran into the freaking ground with their corruption of both on a personal level and of their ID that their the corruption and cancer, their own ideology represents watching the human toll that they extracted and then watching them try to sh blame shift it onto people like me. Couldn't happen to a more deserving bunch. You know what? Democrats, he is your president, after all. 
Millions of Americans are suffering through pain, not just the pain of unilateral, decades-long corrupt democratic leadership in their urban city, but the pain that comes from inflammation in the body, and not just the pain in the butt Donald Trump can often be, like real inflammation, right? This is what causes chronic pain in the body. Now, your body was made to push back against inflammation, but we could use a boost, and that's where Relief Factor comes in. Unbelievable product. I use it daily. I mean, it's... It's changed my life, man. I mean, I can't tell you how much healthier, stronger, uh, more energized I have felt, how quicker I recover from workouts, how, how less sore I am when I get up in the morning and get out of bed. What Relief Factor does with its 100% drug-free formula, four key natural ingredients devised by physicians to help unlock the body's ability to push back on inflammation. If you want to give this a shot, it's a dollar a day, 20 bucks to try the three-week starter kit. What do you have to lose for a buck a day for 20 bucks? Except I think maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Go to relieffactor.com. Again, that is relieffactor.com. So let's get to our book study of Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Ought to Be. Looking back on the book that kind of launched a lot of what we know as conservatism in our era uh, when it became a, a, one of the greatest best-selling nonfiction novels in, Amer- in American history more than a quarter century ago. And each week, we've been looking back on a chapter. And I think, gentlemen, for the second week in a row, this is like a proto version of a, of a contemporary debate. Chapter 8, AIDS, Good Money and Bad, Some Help is Not Desired. And, and this is where Rush gets into the politicization. This was the first time a disease was ever politicized in American history. And it was politicized precisely to be the vanguard of the movement that was going to come after it. It was politicized, um, even though we, we spent more on AIDS during the Reagan and, and George Herbert Walker Bush years than we did on a cure for cancer. The reason it was politicized was to soften you up to prepare you for what was going to come, which was the full onslaught rainbow jihad. Now, I think there's a broader question to be had or conversation to be had about this. Before I go there, though, gentlemen, I want to turn it over to you. Your, your thoughts as you read through this chapter. Uh, it, it was a particularly resonant because of our, the conversation we've had about Baltimore. Uh, and there's any number of issues, but that, that's what we were doing this week. And how y- you are, Dave, there's, uh, you haven't watched it. I did, you never watched The Wire, did you? It's I've br- not, no, it's, but I, people tell me, I've heard several people whose opinions I trust say it might be the best TV show they've ever seen in their it's, life. It's brilliant. And it's about this part of, it's, this, it's about Baltimore. The, yeah. And it's written by a man named David Simon, who is a former reporter for the Baltimore Sun. I, uh, it, it and now he's been all over Twitter uh, ripping on Donald Trump for pointing out in tweets the things that he made pointed out for like five a, a seasons yeah. and made millions. And that's peak progressive. And you are seeing that in this show where a guy like uh, – is there, now a lot of people could have monetized a cause – quickly and effectively because of the day and age we live in with social media back then when this is when he's writing this chapter it it would far fewer people had the capital to just say i'm going to raise this money right now for this cause Mm -hmm. and he was one of them and they resented the hell out of him for it because he didn't he wasn't the right person to do it or didn't genuflect in the right way uh so you're seeing the seeds planted for where we live now 
Uh, and, you know, I've been saying the last couple of years that Donald Trump is the first Rush Limbaugh uh, presidency. But but the things I've been talking about, the themes I'm setting aside, and this is really this is just about the cancer that is progressivism. It is violent. It, you, you do not zap it and zap it hard. You end up living where we now. I just thought it was remarkable the way we are talking about Baltimore now and how a guy died. There's there's clips. Bernie Sanders, we saw that. There's clips of Democrat mayors talking about all the problems that Donald Trump is doing. It's just because he could have the cure. He could have it. He could he, he could say, you know what? I'm take I'm taking all this money. I'm giving it to you. We're going to solve this problem. It wouldn't be okay. Just like it wasn't then. Here's the thing that I think is important because some of our audience is going to say, well, I can't blame them because he's not nice. He's not moral. He's not good. You know who else? You know who else is in any of those things? These very people we're talking yeah. about. He's one of them. And he was one of them until he went to Cleveland, Ohio and accepted the Republican presidential nomination. You know, you've still got Joe Scarborough out there still out there talking about how, uh, you know, uh, a racist, we have a racist president. That guy went to the wall, hoard himself out, flat out hoard himself out for Donald Trump during the GOP. Take it from a guy who worked on the only campaign that, that, that defeated Donald Trump on any level at all, made him bleed. Joe Scarborough went out of his way to hand the nomination to that guy. These people, he was, he was one of them until he went to Cleveland, Ohio and accepted the GOP nomination for president. It's the same game plan. This isn't new. This is important for you to understand. Trump didn't change anything about them. He just exposed more of it than we were able to see in the past. John McCain was their best friend with his gangs of eight. Every time George W. Bush was going to stand up on judicial nominations or any fight, John McCain organized a gang, the Maverick. Five seconds after he was the presumed GOP nominee, front page story of the New York Times, John McCain's been cheating on his wife, Cindy, for years with an aide. Five minutes later, John McCain ran for president in 2000, ripping pro-lifers in, in favor of retaining Roe v. Wade. He didn't want it repealed. Talked about how Jerry Falwell Sr. was an agent of intolerance. Gave a speech about that. They loved him. He gets the Republican nomination in 2008. NARAL writes an op-ed saying he is the most anti-choice presidential nominee we've ever had. This is the game they've always played. This isn't new. The only thing new is because Trump is a part of the exact same game and grew up through the media, playing it with him, he knows the rules of the game every bit as well as they do, and he's turning it around on them. But you were all racists and homophobes before Donald Trump ever showed up. Hell, do you remember the speech he gave in Cleveland when he talked about, you know, uh, ending violence against gays? And the audience applauded, and Trump was like shocked. He's like, well, I'm really happy to see that there's, a, there's applause for that at, the, at a Republican convention. Why? Because until he started hanging out with people like you, he thought about you the way they think about you because he was one of them. He really thought that the only reason you'd think it's a bad idea that to, to promote sex with a tra- human trash compactor is you're a homophobe. There's like no other reasons. It's just, there's nothing else you could come up with about why it's a bad idea to use the human refuse system as an insertion point. 
The only, the only possible reason you could have is you're just a hater. Nothing has changed except he is forcing them to choke on their own narratives. They had all these narratives beforehand. All of them. Do you really believe if another one of those 16 Republican candidates had beaten Hillary Clinton, there wouldn't have been weeping and wailing in streets? Really? You don't remember Bush derangement syndrome? You don't remember Palin derangement syndrome? There's nothing new under the sun. If you believe Trump changed all of this, congratulations. You've got a higher opinion of his ego than he does. I didn't think that was possible, but you did it. You did it. It's only 150 days till Christmas, Elf. You did it. You have a higher opinion of Trump's ego than Donald Trump. I didn't think he could do it, but you pulled it off. He hasn't changed any of this. This is nothing new. We're talking about a chapter from a book that came out in 1992, 27 years ago, where Rush Limbaugh tries to write a check to the Pediatric AIDS Foundation, and they reject it. Where Ronald Reagan leaves the White House to do commercials for the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. And the Rainbow Jihad and the proto version of a 1992 is threatening news networks with boycotts if they run the commercial of the former president urging action against pediatric AIDS. Aaron, does this sound familiar to you at all? Oh. Is it, but this is all brand new with Trump, right? This just started in 2017 yeah. when he took office. Yeah. It's no, like, this, this stuff never hurt before. It's like, it's, it, it's like the uh, racial re- reconciliation thing with you know groups like the Gospel Coalition. We didn't need to reconcile race before 2016 for some reason. It's the same type of thing. And I've been really critical of, of Rush Limbaugh during this, during this uh, book study. And I am not uh, nearly as much in this chapter uh, first of all, for, for not recognizing what the real issue or end game was at that time. I've been a little bit uh, hard on him, and you've pushed back both on Todd and I about, you know, uh, it's really easy to judge people, you know, almost 20, uh, over 20 years in hindsight. Just yesterday, and I want to illustrate this by saying just yesterday, I was watching a, an episode of the TV show Psych. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Yeah, my wife and kids, daughters love that show. show. Yeah, There was an episode during its first season that aired back in 2006, which is 13, 14 years after Rush Limbaugh wrote this book. 13 or 14 years after this, where there is uh, the the antagonist of this episode is a a guy with split personality disorder or something like that. And um, one of his personalities is he's a cross-dresser. And while he is on this uh, personality... Um, of being uh, uh, acting like a woman, he uh, kills and attempts to kill a couple of different doctors who do not want to um, put him up as a candidate for gender reassignment surgery. Can you imagine, 13 years after this airs in 2019, can you imagine USA Networks, which is where, where this show originally ran, can you imagine them trying to put that no up way. for air? No way. So I'm going to be really lenient towards Rush Limbaugh. Now again, the examples that you and the example that you and Todd just talked about is uh, is is exactly what I'm talking about. But the the speed and the effectiveness at which this movement, really the jihad has grown and metastasized throughout this country, I don't know if anybody could have predicted that. And so again, it's, it would be easy, even in the midst of this great example of the hypocrisy or the politicization that uh, Trump or that uh, Rush 
actually speaks of in in this chapter it's in this chapter it would still be easy to say well why didn't you see where this is going why did you illustrate that no i don't think anybody i mean what we're talking about is the same thing whether it's transgenders uh you know whether whether it's um what what was the story amazon producing a documentary on uh i think pedophiles pedophilia yeah Yeah. and and uh kind of glorifying that nobody could have predicted that this was going to go where go where it was going but the exact same thing was happening back in uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, as Rush talks about in his book. And I was coming back from West Point in 2005, in September of 2005, with my father-in-law. Iowa State played a road game against Army up at Muncie Stadium. And my father-in-law, uh, lifelong military, retired, 101st Airborne. And it was always his dream to go to West Point. Um, I was... Uh, one of the mo- maybe the most connected uh, beat writer with the Iowa State program at that time, and I because I published a fan magazine for the Cyclones, so I got to travel uh, up there with the team, and I got to take him with me. And I mean, we're on the sidelines when the B when the the B fifty two bomber you know comes or uh, comes out of the you know paratrooper drops on the. I mean, an amazing experience, and I walk and to spend the previous Friday going through all the history at West Point with my father in law. I can re- remember that day. Like it was yesterday, and it was almost 15 years ago now. Why do I bring it up in the context of this conversation? Because on the way back that Saturday morning, we were in the midst of Hurricane Katrina. And during, you know, uh, layover times coming back from, you know, upstate New York, it takes a couple of connecting flights to get from upstate New York to Des Moines, Iowa. And you had several layovers. I watched a lot of the coverage that day. And I watched a lot of people called George W. Bush, who only had one wife, didn't drop F-bombs on people, spoke Spanish, never even said that one Mexican judge. He was, he, he was close friends with Billy Graham, like, you know, the nonpartisan member of the Graham family that everybody still loved and respected. Kept the country sane and whole post 9-11. You know, he was a nice guy. Nice guy. Anybody want to argue that? Nope. Nice guy. And I watched all these same fiends and fools. Call him a racist and blame him. Because the infrastructure run totally by Democrats in the city of New Orleans. Left those school buses on that in that parking lot and left those people at the superdome to drown in their own filth and squalor because apparently it was new to them that a city where you have to bury you can't bury your dead you have to put them in tombs above ground it's so far below sea level was apparently this was news to the infrastructure of new orleans the whole thing you saw with donald trump in puerto rico last year that's exactly what they did to george w bush with hurricane katrina He didn't change anything. These people were lying long before he ever showed up. They were dealing the race card from the bottom of the deck long before he ever showed up. He didn't change anything about them. Which is why you never play the game. That's exactly right. Ever. No. No. Mitt Romney had binders full of women. Donald Trump has actually had binders full of women and written books about them. 
Mitt Romney rides around Salt Lake City on a bicycle built for two with his American Gothic painting. And he had binders full of women. Nothing's changed. This is the game these people have always played. Do not believe for a minute. Unless you just want to lie to yourself. Don't believe for a second that if anybody else was president right now. The only thing that wouldn't be happening is conversations about what's really going on in Elijah Cummings' district. Because chances are almost nobody else that ran for the nomination in 2016 would have had the balls to go there. Granted, it was totally out of ego and spite. But you learn parenting three kids. You can't, always, you can't always wait for the right motivation to get your kids to do the right thing. Sometimes you got to get it no matter the wrong motivations. And then once they figure out it's the right thing, you kind of hope they learn their lesson from there. Your kids always, your four daughters, you always do the right thing out of the right motivation, Don. Mm. Just because it's just, you know, they just know altruistically that they should just want to do what's right, right? No. No. In many respects, do we have a child in the White House right now? Yes. Yes. I agree. So, so um, almost like you, you can't always get what you want. He told you the truth. That was his campaign song throughout the entire campaign in 2016. The Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. What's the next line of that song, by the way? But if you but try sometimes. Sometimes you just might get what you need. There's a lot of things I'm, I want I, out of this presidency. I'm not going to get, and you're not going to get either. Pretty obvious. But we are getting something we needed. He is blowing these fiends up. May not be for the motivations you would like. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just, okay. Yeah, so. And you're not, ex so, yeah. so what? I, 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 tell me not, why I need to care about that. You're not whitewashing the concept of motivations. We're responsible and accountable to God for our motivations. Yeah, I'm not responsible We're not for responsible his. for Donald Trump's yep. motivations. You know who's responsible for Donald Trump's motivations? Donald Trump is. Jared, I mean, Donald Trump. <laughs> I've got to do another half hour of broadcasting after that. Save your parting shot for the end. Well, I always have the jokes. Yes. You don't. You don't give an. You don't. You don't play Stairway to Heaven when the, at the in the middle of the song set, kid. You come out after the audience screams encore, and then you drop a Stairway to Heaven or Cashmere on them. You don't. You don't say. And, and guys, and now um, we're 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 going with the Lemon Song. You don't do that. He can still say it in Spanish at the end of the show. Yeah, that's okay. true. Yeah. That's, that was good, though. That was very well played. Hey, if you're looking for a real estate agent you can trust, it is, I don't know about your neighborhood. It, it, in my suburban neighborhood, there are sell signs and sold signs and for sale signs going up everywhere, right? How do you know for sure, though, that you've got a real estate agent that you can trust? You're looking for an agent that has a proven track record, that has a formula for success other than open houses and algorithms, and returns phone calls and you can have a rapport with you can you know have a relationship with it's a very relational process you and your agent and that's why you want an agent you can trust go to the website realestateagentsitrust.com to find one realestateagentsitrust.com we'll come back more on this conversation and a more global look at it next
A low credit score could keep you from getting some of the things you want in life, like a credit card, big ticket items like a car, a house, maybe even a new job. More and more employers are factoring in a, a credit report uh, into uh, your overall hiring profile these days. Uh, and that's not all. Even if you do get approved, it, if you've got a low credit score, it, it couldn't even mean you're going to pay higher interest rates than those who have better ones. You don't have to keep getting denied for credit or getting screwed on those interest rates. Just call the specialists at creditrepair.com. They can help you work to repair your credit and improve your score by removing inaccurate negative items like late payments, charge-offs, even collections and bankruptcies. Here's the number for your free credit evaluation, 1-800-501-3199. That's 1-800-501-3199. Now, when you give them a call, you'll get a free credit report and score, and they'll let you know what creditrepair.com can do to help you to improve your score. Helps you, creditrepair.com helps you to work toward a better score so that you can get some of the better things in life. Now, this is for everybody except those of you that live in Georgia, Mississippi, Ohio, and South Carolina. Everybody else, get the credit report and score for free. Your evaluation is free, and then you can decide whether you want to pay for the service to help you fix your score if you think it needs it or not. 1-800-501-3199. Again, that's 1-800-501-3199, or just go to their website, creditrepair.com. Again, that's creditrepair.com. So you were telling us a few minutes ago, Todd, about the the showrunner to the, the Wire, who gets to come in and play white savior, as a as a as a reporter in the city, and create a show that became a, uh, you know, a, a very popular television program. A lot of people rank it amongst the best shows in modern television history. It, the Wire. It's brilliant. It is. All right, and now he is out there trashing Trump, not for ripping off his 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 own shtick or his show scripts or his materials. Okay, but for for daring to actually. Um, echo them for 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 giving a presidential seal on yes what you watched in the wire is true and he's out there ripping him for this right and ripping others who are pointing out to him you know dude what's the the hypocrisy here is staggering and then he's just f-bombing him all over the place pbs just did a pbs strike you as a right-wing outlet anybody yeah no yeah they 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 did i think about a year or two ago they did a a whole series a whole documentary on the rat problem of baltimore uh, Bernie Sanders, he seems like kind of an alt-right nationalist, right? Totally. Bernie? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, he, yeah. he was talking about the 50% unemployment rate in Baltimore, how West Baltimore, in particular Elijah Cummings District, uh, how it looked like a third world country to him when he toured it. I mentioned to you, according to official U.S. government statistics, the crime rate in West Baltimore, Elijah Cummings District, is 342% higher than the national average. 342% higher. 342% higher. If you do the math, about one out of every nine people who live in West Baltimore will encounter or be victims of some form of gun violence in their lives, meaning they'll either suffer from it or witness it or perform it. One out of nine. And so some of you are asking, I mean, there's, there's let's never, you know, it's Ben Shapiro likes to quote the line, don't, don't, place conspiracy where dumbassery would would explain things right or something to that effect let's not forget there's just classic political hackery people in politics lie a lot right okay but with david simon 
we see a lot of these kinds of lack of self-awareness examples as well. And, and it's the vehemence of it. It's the assertion that something that clearly isn't so must be so. Over the years, particularly these last few years, I've highlighted this theme a lot. And, and this point is one of the, if you're new to our show, this is one of the driving points of this program. Why we do things the way we do them. It's one of the main reasons why. We don't believe progressivism is just simply a political ideology. In fact, we think there's a strain of it that isn't a political ideology at all. It's a religion. It's a cult. Now, not everybody who disagrees... You know, I'm going to get emails today. One of my old buddies who used to sell the crap out of my local show, who's much more liberal than me, texted me a happy birthday today, John Label. He'll send me a note later. Am I in a cult then? Because I'm more liberal than you? Here's the first rule of being in a cult. If you ever ask yourself, am I in a cult? You're either A, not in one, or B, upon asking yourself that, you will then realize I need to leave the cult I'm in. Do you know who never asks themselves, am I in a cult? The people who are in one or um, are happily in one and blindly loyal to the group think. Asking, self-assessment, cults aren't big on self-assessments, okay? So I'm not saying everybody who believes in more government than you is in a cult. I'm not saying everybody who has different values than you do or even a different religious viewpoint than you do is in a cult. That's not what I'm saying. That's why, in, in, especially in the last year or two, we have put a finer point on this in defining it as a spirit of the age progressivism. Because this is a, this is, this is a rival religion. And, and, and this show believes it is the number one rival religion to the Judeo-Christian foundation the country was founded upon. You have nothing in common with it. If you hold to any of that Judeo-Christian foundation, you have, you have, this is anathema. You have nothing in common with it. As long as they're not given over to Islamism, you'll find all kinds of Muslims who would probably generally agree with you on moral precepts, right? You won't find any of that with, with spirit of the age progressivism. It's anathema. It's an old-fashioned stained glass window word. They still use it a lot in our Catholic circles. Todd can tell you about it. But it, it really simply means... It is not un, it's anti. Anti your belief system. It, it's against. It's not a lack of your belief system. It's, I'm against, it's against it. It is, it is here to be a foil, to undo it. It will not be accommodated with. And the fact that you've got this guy who, who, who made millions of dollars putting five years of brilliant scripts and storytelling together about the tragedy that is the city of Baltimore. Because he knows on every level, this show diagnoses every corner, government, society, family. I mean, there's no stone is unturned. He knows. And now, now he's out there basically disavowing his own material. Why is that the case? That's not, that's not normal political hackery, guys. The wax my balls bigot guy going insane. People going insane. That's not run-of-the-mill tribalism politically. 
And again, he's not disavowing just by kind of trying to massage and manage things. He's just cussing people <laughs> yep. out who point out the How hypocrisy. dare you yes. quote my own material to me? Yes. This is this I think today we need another reminder of two things that you that, that play out consistently in our culture. When we talk about spirit of the age progressivism being a cult, here are two reoccurring examples. Number 1, Cults offer their detractors or opponents no reasoned discourse or debate. Not What that looks like with spirit of the age progressivism is there is no reason to disagree with me unless you're a racist. There's no reason at all to think it's a bad idea that under President Obama, we had more people on food stamps than the total population of Spain. That is a fact. The only reason why you would think that's bad is you must be a racist. The only reason why you think it, you wouldn't recommend making your sexual entry point the human refuse system, the only reason you would think that's bad is you must be a homophobe. The only reason that you would want the border secured can be any other possible reason. None. You just must be a xenophobe. And the certainty by which... I, I had a guy who was an elementary school teacher in Ohio, according to his Twitter bio, I looked. Who just drilled me about being a racist over a simple policy disagreement. He teaches your children at a public school in Ohio. And he's adamant, man. As adamant as David Simon is in repudiating his own material. Second, cults will then shield those with good within shield those who are in good standing within the cult from external accountability. That's what's happened with Elijah Cummings this weekend. He has good standing within the cult, so therefore he is to not be held accountable for representing a district that has descended into escape from New York, has descended into Warsaw, 1939 minus tanks. He's he's in good standing within the cult. Some tanks would actually clean that place. It off, might help Dave. a little bit. Yeah, um, he's in good standing with the cult. Therefore, he is to be shielded from any external, uh, any external accountability. This is you see this with victimology, intersectionality. It effectively claims that if you belong to a certain faction or demo, see that as you're a member of good standing within the cult. You cannot be held accountable by somebody outside of the cult externally. You can't be. But, however, though, if your beliefs do not, you may look like that demo, you may have the same sexual attraction as that demo, but if your actual beliefs do not line up, then you're not really black. You're not really gay. This is because, now we call this, in the civic realm, we, we identify, we call this identity politics. But it's, it's, it's more than that. This is, this is where the religious conversion occurs. Your salvation, your deliverance, comes from your identity within the cult. This is why, if you have members of your family, friends, you, you show them facts, and it's like they just don't even listen. They, they, you know... They're like the HAL 9000. They just, 
look at you. Good morning, Dave. They're like the Jehovah's Witness who knocks on your door on a Saturday and you point out if only 100,000 people are getting, 144,000 people are getting saved and there's three and a half million of you, why are you bothering me? It seems like y'all have to sort this thing out on your end first. And they'll just blink and go right back into their Watchtower Society spiel conditioning. That is the byproduct of the allegiance to the cult. Your identity is with the cult. You couldn't possibly think outside of it. And when you're confronted with facts that don't conveniently line up with that identity, they're just disregarded. It's like they didn't occur. It didn't happen. That's what David Simon is doing as we speak. If Donald Trump said all the same things he has said his entire presidency, but said them as a Democrat, what would David Simon's reaction be today, do you believe? Entirely different. Finally, we have a president who's obviously watched some episodes of The Wire. That's what he would be tweeting today. Right. And even more effectively, if he actually said, you know what, I can't stand Donald Trump, but I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. We have real problems, and one way or the other, I want to solve them and trust them. Uh, it, you can't, your cult won't do that. No, that I know, that's I know, critical but, thinking. But, a cult can't show that kind of discernment. But um, my point being, there, you might be able to, in a Nixon, only Nixon could go to China way, you might be able to get a level of critical mass you've never gotten before, but it's impossible. You're absolutely right, Steve. For the cult, the only fact, fact that matters is, that, is the cult, that they're in one. That's the only fact that matters. That's why you could show them study statistics. It doesn't matter. That's why when you cite the statistics, you're a racist. That's why when PBS talks about this is a rat-infested city, something must be done. They're doing a public service. When someone outside of the cult in good standing does it, they are, uh, they're subhuman. And this for you guys like you and I, it took us a long time because we, lo- we like to argue and we like to win an argument it took me a long time to simply real and it's why we believe in it so much now we real i can't win because you're not having argu- an argument exactly there, no argument is occurring exactly there, in an argument there is a give and take yes there no argument is occurring you and 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 the great temptation we're having on the right more and more are now are coming to grips with this people thought i was nuts when i started saying this three or four years ago more and more people are coming to grips with this now, the, the, the temptation we have to avoid on the right is to, is to form a rival cult to the cult. Yep. And, and this is the reactionary cult. This isn't, this isn't your run-of-the-mill religious cult driven by identity and ideology. That's what the left is doing. This is, these are the people in Jeremiah's time who, when, who when, the, the, when Nebuchadnezzar was outside the city gate and he was urging them understand repentance is the only way out of this returning to first things is the only way out of this they threw him in a well they threw him in a cistern okay they they didn't want to hear it and then when the king finally had him brought out gave him a bath fattened him up a little bit with a nice meal and then said hey do you mind telling me what i want to hear now what's the battle plan up against nebuchadnezzar and he went right back to the old well um repentance and <laughs> first things they didn't want to hear that they wanted a secular answer to a religious problem and that's that's what we're doing on the right now we have with with trans women activists that trans women conservative activists 
that that we think the uh, the way out of this is the left comes up with the constructs and manifestations of its cult. And we come up with a rival one to show you can be all of these things that your creator says are are dumb or immoral and still be with us without joining the cult. We're going to be the yin to your yang. Yes. There's and at no point is there ever a rise above. Yep. It's dualism. It's, it's that's right. There's just bone on bone. And so there's a lot of friction happening, but no healing is taking place. And this is the temptation we're having now on the in, on the right. Is we form our we just form our own secular echo chamber. You're up against a religious fervor. There's no amount of statistics you can cite that's going to change CNN's reporting today. Just, no, it, it's not going to happen. This is what you were just saying. I had to come to the real... I, when, when you guys started on this show, I was adamant that we needed to spend more time going on these liberal media networks, right? Yep. Right. And, and you guys used to see me do it all the time when you first started, right? Right. I finally had to give up the point when I realized there's really no point to doing it. Because unless I get to be one-on-one... And I'm just not a big enough star that they would grant me something like that. So if you put me on a panel, the point of the panel is to, to at this point, it's just all narrative. And I'm just not going to do that. That, that that's, that's the difference between the back room with Pontius Pilate and the throne room with Herod. Herod just has a narrative. You are there to check my box. That's all I'm curious about. I'm not interested in any truth on any level whatsoever. Pilate is at least doing some form of political machinations, tale as old as time. Herod is so far gone, he doesn't care. There is no machinations. There's just the narrative of what I want to be true at that point in time. And if you're not going to give me that, then you know, you're, of your, no, you're of no use to me. Much of what we see in our media today is Herod's palace. It's no point watching, engaging it, reacting to it. Notice Jesus is silent in Herod's palace because there's no there there. Nothing's happening. Now, when he gets a one-on-one with Pontius Pilate, he's got a whole lot of things to say in that environment. When he gets to face off against the entire religious order, he has a lot of things to say there. But when it's just about the narrative and 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 the, the scratching of itching ears. Silence. It's pointless. I think this is the great temptation we're going to have on the right. Is to resist the temptation to form a rival cult to theirs. A cult will not cast out a cult. Beelzebub doesn't cast out Beelzebub. Only the truth can do that. We're going to stick around and do a little overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we see you tomorrow, noon Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.